this apartment. First you smash your leg, then you get to looking out the window, see things you shouldn't see. Trouble. Something big going on somewhere? It's a big night. Or just an old run-of-the-mill Wednesday. It's opening night of the last depressing week of L.B. Jeffries in a cast. Several times last night in the rain, carrying his sample case. Well, he's a salesman, isn't he? A salesman's looking out of his window, you see? It's no ordinary look. It's the kind of little look a man gives when he's afraid somebody might be watching him. There's nothing to see. There is something. I've seen it through that window. I've seen bickering and family quarrels and mysterious trips at night and knives and saws and ropes. And now, since last evening, not a sign of the way. That's a secret private word. Welcome to another episode of Small Town Horror with Johnny and Randy. And as always, I'm Johnny. And I'm Randy. And we apologize for the late episode, folks, because we are actually a week behind. We are. Shame on us. Yeah, but some things got, you know. Life happens. Yeah, so there you go. We got busy a little bit. <laughs> and you can't be mad at me because it's my birthday today. Yes, so. so happy birthday, Randy. Well, like, yeah. 35 years old. Yeah, I know. You finally caught up to me. 21, 14 times now. What? I'm 21, 14 times. Oh, okay. There we go. I'm, I, I stay 21 all the time. <laughs> right. I just forget to tell my gray hairs. I was going to say, you should have told your hair then because <clears> it yeah. went away. Oh, it's been gone since I was 25. Right. But anyway, uh, we are celebrating Alfred Hitchcock's birthday this uh, month, which was on the 13th. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we released Friday the 13th, Part 8, Jason yeah. Takes Manhattan. Can't do the Friday the 13th without having a, a Friday the 13th. Exactly. And then we released The Birds. Mm-hmm. And now we're releasing, which it's like we've said before, it's not really a horror movie. It's classified as a mystery, but it's Rear Window. And it is one of Hitchcock's movies, so it's like Hitchcock is one of those horror icons. Yes. So, I mean, you kind of have to go with it. We could have done Psycho like every other podcast would have done. Right. But we chose a movie where a guy looks out a window. The entire movie. The, and falls asleep. And wakes up. To look out a window. Then he falls back asleep. And then he wakes up. And it starts raining. And then he looks out the window again. And then he falls back asleep. And then he just happens to wake up. And finally takes pictures and takes a nap. That's it. <laughs> yeah. That's our review of Rear Window. Yeah, there you go, yeah. <laughs> Which I told Randy right before we started, we missed the perfect opportunity. Because this past Sunday was the 35th anniversary 
of my favorite of the series, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, starring Bill Mosley. Look, if we went off Caroline of the, Williams. If we went off of every single anniversary of every horror movie you loved, we would be doing 30 podcasts a month. Right, right. One each day, boy. Every day. Yeah. But anyway, uh, why don't we go ahead and uh, get the summary out in the cast, and then we'll start discussing the film. This <clears throat> part, this episode is actually going to be a little different. Uh, it's pretty much just going to be me and Randy talking about the film. This is his first time seeing it, mm-hmm. and it's really hard to go scene by scene in this film because literally it's just we a just, man. We just gave you the scene by scene. Right. <laughs> so it, it's just kind of hard to review it that way, so... It's going to be a little different, but, uh, I mean, heck, you got three episodes from us this month. So. What more do you want from us? <laughs> yeah. So, Randy, hit us up with a summary. Professional photographer LB, or Jeff Jeffries, breaks his leg while getting an action shot at an auto race. Confined to his New York apartment, he spends his time looking out the rear window observing the neighbors. He begins to suspect that a man across the courtyard may have murdered his wife. Jeff enlists the help of his high society fashion consultant girlfriend, Lisa Fremont, and his visiting nurse, Stella, to investigate. I can't believe they left Doyle out of that. Doyle? Yeah. Who's Doyle? The police officer. Oh, yeah, the detective. Was it, yeah, was it Thomas? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they left him out of it. So? You can't forget Doyle, man. Well, then I'm not going to forget him when I read the cast. Well, there, there you go. Yeah, so the cast, I thought, was casted perfectly. Here we go. I didn't care for James Stewart. What? I didn't. How do you? Because his accent changed 55 times during that whole movie. No. Yes. No. Yes. No, it yes, didn't. Yes, it did. Well, I was fixing to say the one and only James Stewart plays <laughs> L.B. Jeffries. Uh, Grace Kelly is, oh, she's freaking beautiful. Yes, she She is. plays Lisa, his girlfriend. The one that you said you really liked was Thelma Ritter. She played Stella. I loved her. She was the, uh, his, uh. His home nurse. No. Yeah. I thought she was the landlord. No, she was the home nurse. Oh, I thought she was the landlord too. She was the most realistic character in that entire movie. Yes. And then you have Raymond Burr as Lars Thorwald. There you go. Sure. And here you go. Wendell Corey, Detective Thomas. Doyle. Detective Doyle. Well, on the case. It says Detective Thomas. Yeah, it's because you got to hit his name. You click his name and it'll, yeah, don't do that. But Rear Window come out in 1954. Mm-hmm. And it's classified as a thriller mystery. And it's PG. And, of course, it was directed by Alfred Hitchcock. And there was a couple times in there that they almost broke that PG boundary. Yeah, they did, yeah. With Miss Torso. And, of course, yeah. <laughs> and, of course, um... <clears throat> you had to find Alfred Hitchcock in the movie. Yep. And we finally found him. I wasn't looking through the entire time. So Was it the first 10 minutes? Yeah, yeah, I would say. But anyway, so to get started, Randy. Mm-hmm. First time viewing Rear Window. Yep. It's one of my favorite Alfred Hitchcock movies, which I haven't seen all of his, to be fair. I've seen a lot of them. But this is this really stands out to me. But give me your perspective. Tell me what you thought. I told you after the movie that it's got to be a Hitchcock thing that all his movies start slow 
and then really pick up closer to the end. The birds did that, and we talked about it on the birds. Yeah. Um, I, I felt like, again, I felt like the first part of it, because it it's a over two-hour movie. I think it's like two hours, 49 minutes. No. 30 minutes. I don't know if it was even that long, was it? I th- I'm pretty sure it was. I thought it was only like two mm, hours. And- no, I'm pretty sure this movie's like 19 hours long. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. It, it's not 19 hours long, but it is... It is an hour fifty two minutes. Okay, it was told two hours. Anyway, there we go. Yep. But I feel like the first hour is the slowest part. Yeah, just like the birds was. Right. Um, but at the same time, I think I know. I, I think I have an idea why he does it now. It's he wants you to be relatable to the characters. Yes. How we talked about the birds. The first hour, of the birds is a romance movie. Mm-hmm. The first hour of this one kind of seemed that way too. Yeah. With. Um, with Jeffries and um, Fremont, yeah, his girlfriend. You know, they go through the whole. Uh, they they start the movie off when they first get together, and they talk about. You can tell that there's a connection there that about them wanting to be married and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to be. She does. He doesn't want to be because he travels for work, taking pictures, and all this kind of stuff. And he's pretty much telling her, "Look, you can't. You know, do you expect on living? You know, that kind of life, right? Um, so it's it's." I, I've come to the conclusion if I watch any Hitchcock movie, it, the first hour is going to be strictly backstory and character connections. Right. Um, but that being said, I feel like it was a little long because there were, were some scenes in there that I didn't feel, you know, there were parts of scenes where he was just looking out the window that I didn't think was necessary. Right. But this is a movie called Rear Window. Um. After everything started picking up, and he started getting into the meat of it mm-hmm. on why he was doing it. So he started watching the guy even more and started really focusing on, on that particular person. Right. It started picking up and I felt the suspense. So there were scenes where I I, I don't know if you noticed, but there were some times where I got up on the edge of my seat and I was just getting closer and I was like, all right, come on. Yeah. On? Yeah. I, I what's, see what's it. going on. Yeah. You know, let's, let's find this out. But what I liked the most about this movie, uh huh, it had music. Yeah. Yeah. And the music wasn't just a, like a, a score, right? It was from one of the characters in the book in the movie. Yes, which I really liked. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. And closer to the end of it, they or at the end of it, they play off of that mm-hmm. with one of the char- with another character. Um, it's all about the writer, the guy who's writing music. Yeah, and each, it's almost like each scene he's got something new. He's practicing on the piano. Yep, and stuff. Musician, whatever you want to call him, but didn't they say he was? A, yeah, he's a songwriter. Mm-hmm. But go ahead, finish what you say. But taking all that in consideration, I I actually really dug the movie. That's cool because it was it was a different concept yeah. than any most any movies that I, I remember watching. Uh, and again, having to take into consideration that this movie's was nineteen fifty four, so that's what fifty, sixty, almost seventy years ago. Yeah, daggum. Yeah. yeah. And this movie came out almost 70 years ago. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But taking that in consideration, I actually dug it. I really did. And when I say I didn't care for James Stewart, there were scenes where it, his accent did change. Like at the very beginning of it, he didn't have that northern accent. But then sometimes you start to sound like Sean Connery. And you can't tell me he didn't. I, I, I mean, that's all I heard. I, but I wasn't paying but, attention to that. But... I don't know. I wasn't paying attention yeah. that hard to that part, I guess. I, I will say he played the part really good. Like, 
him and uh, Grace Kelly really played well off yeah. each other. They really yeah. did. Um, but no, I really dug it. Good. I'm glad I, to hear I, it. I, I mean, was worried. Like, I was in the birds <laughs> for the first, you know, 45 minutes. But I dug it. I thought it was pretty cool. Good. Good deal. And that's that's kind of what I was worried about. But the one thing that I really like about the movie, and this, to me, shows the genius of Alfred Hitchcock, is it's literally never leaves the apartment. And how do you keep somebody's attention for two hours from a window? And I feel like Alfred Hitchcock pulled it off. And the set design, I don't know if that was a set design or if that was an actual apartment building, but it looked like something that could be on Broadway, like on a stage. Well, that's what I told you. I said right. when they first did the pan over and they showed the entire courtyard and they showed all the apartments and stuff like that, it looked like it was set up for a play. Right, like right. it should have been on Broadway. But kind of hitting off what you hit off of, I thought it was really cool how everything that took place in that movie took place in the apartment. Yeah. Even... Any view outside of that apartment mm-hmm. looked like it was coming from that apartment. Right. The only time that it wasn't in the apartment was at the very end when uh, Jeffries fell. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, that's the only time. Right. The rest of the time, it was a view from his window, a view from his like his point of view. Or through his lens. Through his lens, yeah. through his camera. Yeah. Um, or his binoculars. One of the two. But, yeah, I, I do like that was a completely different perspective. Like, that entire movie took place in his apartment. And we'll, we'll go ahead and get into it just a little bit, but, like, the neighbors. Yeah. They had the old lady with the dog, the old lady and the, the man. They, they like s- to sleep outside. Slept on the fire escape. Yeah, they slept on the fire escape. Uh, the married couple, which turned out to be Mr. and Mrs. Lars. The Lars pl- Thorwald. Yeah. Uh, the newlyweds, which was a young man and young woman who was getting busy through the whole entire movie. And boy, he, she was getting on his nerves. You could tell. And the ballet dancer, Mrs. Torso. Mm-hmm. The lonely woman. I don't remember her name. Um, I don't remember her name. I think they called her like the lonely heartbreak. Yeah. Or something like that. And then, of course, the songwriter, piano player. Yep. And that, to there, me, that's what. There was one other woman. But they never, he never gave her a name. You talking about the old lady, the one that sat out there by herself? Yeah. Yeah, they never, yeah, I don't know. Never gave her a name. Nope. But the line that I like is, you're looking at a private world. Mm -hmm. And he was like, you know what I'm saying? He was like, these are people's private lives. And I liked how each one, you know, represented something like, okay, the one, uh, the lonely woman. Mm -hmm. Um, The very first actual scene that it shows with her. And she's pouring, you feel bad for her. She's all dressed up. She's got two candles lit on the uh, dining room table. Mm-hmm. And then you see, like, she walks to the door and opens the door. And there's nobody there, but she's laughing, acting like she's talking. Then she pours a glass of wine. And that well, just shows how truly lonely this woman was. Well, at first, it looked like she was getting ready for a date. Like, yeah. she was expecting somebody to come over and they should be there anytime. Right. Then she walks over to the door, like you said, and she started talking. I thought, okay, maybe she's just practicing what she's going to say. Right, right. So she started pouring the wine, and I was like, all right, she's really pouring the wine. If you were waiting on somebody, you wouldn't have poured the wine. Right. So I was like, okay, what's going on here? And then she puts her head down, and she starts crying, and I thought, dang, I feel bad for her. That's the definition of being lonely. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, and then uh, the, the ballet dancer. Which, that's the one where, I mean, you were like, man, I almost crossed that PG line for being 1954. The first scene with her was she was coming out of her bedroom and took her top off and bent over. Yeah. 
But I didn't. And like I said, we're not going anywhere scene by scene, so we can just discuss whatever you want to. But I love the fact that all these good-looking guys are trying to uh, sway her and all this stuff. And then finally, at the end of the movie, she opens the door, and it's this little pudgy glassed and he's from the army mm-hmm. and he's he looks like a dork yeah and she's like <gasps> and she, she gives him a hug and he's shorter than her yeah he walks in and he was like man all that army's got me my belly hungry what you got in that fridge yeah, he's like we got an ice box you know <laughs> but it was so funny that a dork you know had this beautiful woman that everybody mm-hmm. was just google eyes over right. the entire movie um now here's one other thing i liked when he's looking at each couple, like when he's watching all the apartments, mm-hmm. you can you can barely hear what they're saying sometimes. And to me, it reminded me of a silent picture. Yeah. Because you would see their mouths moving and talking, but the piano guy, the songwriter, was playing his own music. Mm-hmm. And it felt like a silent picture to me. And mm-hmm. I dug that. I thought it was really cool how, like... When Whenever they would do a, like a close-up view of like a person, uh-huh. and they would be talking... You would have to really pay attention to try and hear what they were saying. Because there was a lot of times I couldn't hear anything. Right, right. Where it was just like a mumble. Yeah. And I don't know if they just wanted it to be like that. Like, we want to focus on them, mm-hmm. but we don't want to focus on them. Like, right. we, we, wanna, we want the picture to be on them, but we don't want their conversation. We don't want that to, to change anything that's going on. Well, and see, to me, if it that's realistic because how, unless he's got really super good hearing. Yeah. That's all he'd be able to... He could make out words a little bit, or he'd hear mumbling, but... But see, the entire movie wasn't about what he was hearing. Exactly. It was all about what he was seeing. Right. So the audio in it was irrelevant, for the most part. Now, mm-hmm. uh, the the older couple that lives upstairs when they let their dog down in the basket. Mm-hmm. I even told you, I was like, that, that's dirty. You let them <laughs> down to go poop in somebody else's little yard. But it's it. not somebody else's yard, though. She's a part of that apartment. That's her. That's the courtyard for that apartment complex. So that's her apartment. That's her courtyard too. Oh, okay. Well, but I mean, I didn't know because I mean, but I, I mean at the same time, why would you let a dog down there to go poop in somebody's flowers? Right, right. You know, but that let's talk about that scene. That was one of, even though of course it's sad that the dog died. Spoiler. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know he's ex- he's thinking this entire time that, um, what is it, Mister Lars? Is that his Mister Thorwald? But I thought his name was Lars. First name was Lars. Oh, okay. Mr. Thorwald is the killer. Yep. And Killed his wife. Yeah. I love this scene because you finally get a taste of it. Because this whole time you're like, even me and you talk, you were like, I now he's just freaking everybody out. He don't have any proof and all this stuff. It's and probably that, it's probably the best shot in the whole movie. Yes. And that's what the whole movie's about is uh Mr. Thorwald and his wife get into it and she's uh sick in bed. Yep. And all of a sudden, like one night he's looking out the window and he falls asleep. Well, he's awakened by her scream and a glass breaks. Mm -hmm. You never see her again in the movie. And Mr. Thorwald has, he's a salesman and he he leaves. And this scene's like a 10 minute scene. Like he leaves at night and it's pouring rain and he's got a suitcase. Then he comes back, leaves again, comes back, leaves again. Well, then when it's morning time, Mr. Jeffries sees that. Thorwald's up there washing his, uh, it's almost like a freaking machete. and uh, looks like a bone saw. And, uh, and, and a saw, a hand saw. Mm-hmm. So anyway, he's convinced that he's killed his wife. But the dog, when the dog's dead, because before he kills the dog, she lets the, hurt the dog down and go to the bathroom. 
Thorwald comes out and sees the dog digging in his flowers. Yep. And we all sit there that watch it. When he reached down for that dog, it looked like he's fixing to grab the dog by the freaking back of the neck like mm-hmm. you would a cat. Yep. But as soon as he reached down right before he got to it, he stopped and said, go on, get out of here. And like just yeah. tapped it on. Just kind of tapped it and told it to get on. Yeah. I thought that was played really well. But then when the dog is dead, this is my favorite shot of the movie, like you said as well, I think yours. When the woman sees her dog down there laying dead, she's screaming, crying, who would do this? You know, what kind of neighbors are y'all? Everybody comes out to see what's going on. And one of the women, uh, the older woman, as a matter of fact, the next door neighbor, she comes out and says the dog has been strangled and the neck is broke. Uh-huh. And I love how, uh, what's his name, James Stewart? Yeah, yeah Jeffries. Right? Jeffries. Yeah, no, but... They call him, J- yeah, yeah, James Stewart. Yeah, but I love how he's like, did y'all notice everybody come out when she was screaming except for one? And it pans over to the Thorwald's apartment, and it's solid. All the lights are out. It's pitch black, but you can see a cigarette. It's every, little, every puff. It every glow. Yes. Oh, it was such a good shot. I thought that... I was like, man, that was genius to me. I was like, man, that was good. And it was at that point, like in that whole movie, you, you don't know what's going on. You think maybe his wife's on vacation or something like that. Because right. through the whole movie, every time Jeffries mentioned something to Detective Doyle... He's like, well, this is what it is. You know, we called that, you know, wherever she went, she called, sent a postcard, said she made it okay. Yeah. He called and all this kind of stuff. Everything pointed towards his wife going off on vacation or something like that. Mm-hmm. The trunk that he tied up with a really thick rope was her clothes. Right. And it was shipped to wherever she went. Right. So everything pointed toward her, his wife going and Jeffrey's just being crazy, you know. Mm-hmm. What? When Jeffries finally sees that his wife had, or not his wife, I'm sorry, Thorwald's, is that his name, Thorwald? Thorwald. When, they, when he finally sees that he still has her handbag with all of her jewelry in it, and even the wedding ring, that's mm-hmm. when he's like, okay. But that scene in the courtyard with the dog, yeah, and, the, and the, just the cigar light, <clears throat> that's when everything starts making a turn. Right. With Thorwald, because... Everything before that was just like, oh, it's just misunderstanding, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. But then you see the sinister side of Thorwald. Yes. And then just, just him sitting in that dark room smoking on that cigar while everybody's screaming and ranting about the dog. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, something's up with this dude. Right, now. right. Something ain't right. So let's talk about his uh, his nurse. Ah, Stella. Stella. I love her. She was the most realistic person in this entire movie. She had some comebacks in this movie. Yes, she did. And it did. It, see, it seemed like, like to me, her acting was really good. Yeah. Like, it never, I never once felt like she, and there was a couple of actors in her, never felt like they were actually reading something. Mm-hmm. It was just like, it yeah. was like they said, hey, just go ahead and talk about this. Go action. Yeah. And, and that's one thing I will say that even though I had an issue with, like, I felt like James Stewart's uh, accent was changing sometimes. Yeah. The acting on it, I thought was great. Right. On, I, at, on every level. Yeah. But Stella, man. <laughs> yeah, Stella did really good. I loved her because she just seemed like that same person. You know, like, she's like a real day person. They just pulled her off the street and they yeah. said, hey, you're this guy's nurse. And she's like, well, I'm a nurse every day. She was like, <laughs> yeah. well, just do what you would normally do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought she was probably my favorite character. Yeah, and... Like I said, the neighbors you don't really get the, you don't really get to know the neighbors, uh, but you. I'm trying to think. Of it. You get to know them by what you see. Yeah. So you get to know the the newlyweds are newlyweds. The only time you see them is when her uh, the husband's coming to the window, to, to get a break, and then you hear his wife calling him. 
Yeah. Um, and then at the like at the end of the movie, they show everything afterwards. Everything, mm-hmm. everything's been settled. And then they're sitting at the table, and she was like, "Well, if I'd have known you to quit your job, we would have never got married." And he's <laughs> yeah. just like, "You know what? Whatever." Yeah, yeah. Um, so you got them. You got Miss Torso, the right. ballet dancer. She's a socialite. She stays out till four o'clock in the morning, dating guys, trying to find you know, just kind of flirting around with everybody. You got the Thorwalds. Mm-hmm. Of course, we know about them. You got the two upstairs. The only thing we know about them is that they have a dog and they like to sleep on the fire escape. And then when it starts raining, they got to hurry up and get everything inside. <laughs> exactly. The uh, the woman downstairs. Um, the older lady. The, the older lady. She likes to craft and that's it. Tan, pretty much. Tan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you got the lonely heartbreak. Yeah. The woman down there was just by her lonesome. I mean, let's talk about her for a minute. And, with, okay. and then you got the songwriter. Yeah, the yeah. piano. Player. Okay, so I that, was just that's everybody. The same thing. Let's talk that, about her. That's everybody. But let's talk about the lonely heartbreak. All right. So we we talk about the, about how at the very beginning of it, she was acting like she was with you know meeting somebody and all this kind of stuff. And right. That's not it. So then there's like just scenes throughout the whole movie of her drinking by herself. Mm-hmm. But then there's one where she's getting ready to dress. Get she gets dressed. She's getting ready to go out. She takes this big old drink or whatever it is. And yeah. then actually goes out and brings home a guy. A young stud. Young dude. Yeah. Like, had to have been in his 20s. Yeah. And she's got to be in her, what do you think? Late 30s, early 40s. Man, it wasn't no late 30s. That was mid 40s to early 50s. I mean, she didn't look. I mean, she yeah, was probably she, mid, yeah, 40s, she, mid 40s. Yeah. Mid to late 40s. All right. Probably. But she brings this guy home. They're, you know, kissing around on each other. She even goes to close the blinds, and then go, he goes to town. Yeah, like, he's forceful with her. Yeah. And then... She smacks up my down. Pushes her down, and then they're making out, or he's trying to make out. Yeah. She jumps up like she's pissed, and she smacks the crap out of him and backs him out, and she just starts crying. And kicks him out, and does the classic when she shuts the door. All the women in the 50s move. They fall to their face on the, yep. on the couch and starts crying. Mm-hmm. But so, you you don't know the story behind her. Yeah. Which is kind of, it, it's weird because most of the time when you're watching a movie, you want to know what's happening. Exactly. Or what happened before. But since this is just his viewpoint and this is just what he's seeing, not what he's hearing or nothing like that, it works. Yep. And like we, we said before, and the music's playing, but it's the guy upstairs. Yeah. It's not a score of the music, you know, or of the, of the movie. Yeah. It's just the guy playing and then, so you feel bad for her, and then later on in the movie, it's actually toward the end of the film, uh-huh. She's you see that she's pouring out all these pills, and they're even talking, they're like, man, how many pills does she, does she need and take? And well, Stella mentions something about it. She knows exactly what they are. She's a nurse. Yeah. She notices and she recognizes the pills just from what they can see. Right. And, and, and they're, I think they're sleeping pills. Yeah. Because she mentions, like, that many pills could knock somebody out for so long or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then she even, uh, I think she even goes and gets a bottle, don't she? Like a bottle of, yeah. uh, I don't know if you call yeah. it wine, vodka, whatever she's mm-hmm. got. Well, then then she's holding a Bible. And right there it tells you, you're like, okay, she's about to do something bad. Well, then mm-hmm. later on she goes into the bedroom and she starts writing a note. Which bothers me because they're like, oh, you know, something ain't right. Well, then their mind just completely gets thrown off of her. Um, they're so focused on Thorwald. Yeah. That they are completely oblivious to this woman downstairs fixing to kill herself. Right. And they they see her writing the note. And finally, when they realize, oh, God, she's fixing to commit suicide, uh, Stella's like, what she said to Jeffries, call the cops. Mm-hmm. Call the police right now. But 
it just so happened, and I love, and I, I do, I really love the, th- uh, the thought of this. The songwriter starts playing this beautiful music, mm-hmm. and she looks up, she sets the pills down, and goes to the window to listen to this music, and literally, music saved her life. You're one hundred percent. I like that. I dug that. Well, they even make the she even makes uh, the comment after after everything's happened, and they do a pan over of how everybody is to, uh, at the very end of the movie. She's upstairs with the piano player, right. And he says, well, this is a new one that I worked on. And she's like, this is the one I heard. It's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I just sit there and told you, I was like, that song saved her life. Right, it did. And it's, it's just crazy how she ended up going up there and they ended up meeting. Right. So now, you know, and that leads it to your imagination. Do they end up getting together? Do you know? You know. That's for the rear window part two. Yeah. Okay, so now what was uh, Jeffrey's uh, girlfriend's name? Lisa Fremont. That's her name in the movie, Lisa? Yeah. Okay, just her, her, it's it's Grace Kelly who plays plays Fremont. Okay, but so Lisa, I thought you know you tell that she's a uh, she's more of a I'm gonna say a Richie type. She was she never wears a dress more than tw- uh, twice is yeah, what she said. That's what Jeffrey said about her. Yeah. Yeah, and but then later on when they're looking for money to bail her out, she's only got fifty cents in her purse. Yeah. But anyway, uh, the scene that got me the most in this film. Like I said, I love the scene with him. He's lighting the cig or the cigarette glow. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about like actually made me be like, oh god. She goes, her and Stella go down to the flower bed to see what the dog was digging up. Yep. And they can't find anything. Well, then Lisa decides, forget it. I'm going to go up in this dude's apartment while he's gone because at this time, Jeffries or James Stewart, whatever you want to call him, he actually has he wrote him a letter saying, uh, "What did you do with her?" Mm-hmm. And then he actually called him and said, meet me down at the diner. And he's like, I got, and uh, what's his name? Worth uh, the bad guy, Lars. Uh, Thorwald. Thorwald's like, all I've got is $100. Yeah. And he's like, it ain't about money, just meet me at the diner. No, he said, that's a start. Oh, is that what he said? Yeah, that's what he said. Oh, okay. So he wanted him to think like it was all about the money. So he says, meet me at the diner. And he's doing that to get him out of the house so, you know, they can go look in his flower bed. Well, like I said, Lisa decides to go up in the apartment. Mm-hmm. She, she finds all of it, but they're so focused. This is when they focus their attention on the brokenhearted lady. And that's when she, she's like, call the cops. And all of a sudden, they look up and realize that Thorwald is coming back to his apartment. That's the scene that got me going, oh, God. Yeah. Like, I was like, you know, because what is she going to do? Oh, she was caught. Yeah, she he, was caught right-handed. He walked in, walked into his bedroom, seen something, see the... His wife's uh, handbag handbag was out. He was like confused and turned around and seen her. Started backing her into the living room. Yep. Well, then she's trying to talk her way out of it. He starts getting a little physical with her, and eventually shuts the lights off. Yeah, because he reaches out and she finally gives him the pearls, but she kept the ring. Mm-hmm. And when I she thought tried- it was cool how she did that. Yeah. Like when the cops showed up and she's sitting there talking to the cops, she's got her hand behind her back and she's pointing at the ring. Yeah. Behind her back so that. Jeffrey's across the way could see it in the camera. Right. And Jeffrey's played it slick because he hurried up and called once they knew. And this is before he ever even got in the apartment. Right. Once they saw him coming, fixing to go in the apartment, they called the cops and was like, there's a domestic abuse, at, you know, whatever part number, right. apartment number on second story. So the cops were already on their way. Mm-hmm. But when she's, uh, when she pull, gives him the jewelry back, she tries to leave and he grabs her and she screams. That's when he flicks the light off. Well, when the cops get there and they come in there, she's like, why is, 
Stella's like, why is she not telling them what's, what's going on? And he's like, she's a smart girl. Yeah, he was he was pretty much saying she's just trying to get out of that apartment. Yeah, because, I mean, she's breaking and entering, so they're going to take her out of the apartment. Oh, yeah. Well, she sticks her hand behind her back. Like you said, she's pointing toward the the wedding ring saying, look, I've got his wife's wedding ring. That's the that's the big clue they needed. Mm-hmm. But as she's doing it, oh, freaking Lars sees what she's pointing at and looks directly into his lens. Now mm-hmm. he realizes he's being watched from Jeffrey's house. Jeffrey's freaks, too. He's yeah. like, Stella, he's like, turn the lights off. He sees this. Yeah, and he backs up real quick. He's in a wheelchair. You know, mm-hmm. he's got Let's Let's say this, too. The reason this dude is looking out the window is because he's a photographer, but he's he's got his uh, left leg broke. And he's been in this cast for six weeks, and he's got one more week left before they cut the cast off. Yep. So he can't do anything. So now uh, Lars, wh- uh, whatever his last name is, realizes that he's being watched from him. Um, they take the girl off, Lisa, to jail. He and... Jeffries gives Stella the, I think he gave her like $150, $175. Plus the 50 cents out of. Yeah, plus 50 cents. And then Stella's <laughs> like, well, I got an extra 25 in my purse. Yeah. He says, go bail her out. Because she, like I said, they know she's going to jail. But it got her out of the apartment. Mm-hmm. Well, he calls his buddy, the detective that you like. Detective Doyle. He calls him and tells him, look, hey, she's being uh, put in jail. We got the bail money. And he's like, we got proof. He tells uh, his detective buddy, everything that's going down. Well, then when he hangs up, all of a sudden the phone rings, he picks up and he's like, Hey, he goes, what's the, um, what's the guy's name? Thorwald. Thorwald is, uh, not in his apartment. And then he realizes, shoot, mm-hmm. I talked too fast. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hello. And he realizes that dude's listening on the phone. He hangs up. Sure. You, you start hearing stuff behind him. Yeah, and he starts looking back at the door, and there's a, you can see the light. So as soon as they pan back to the, his front door, and you can see the light, I was like, yeah, somebody's fixing to walk up. Yeah, because uh, Stella's gone now because mm-hmm. she went to go bail Lisa out of the um, out of jail. Yeah. So then all of a sudden the hallway light turns off, and you can start hearing footsteps. So Jeffries is freaking out. He's you know moving around the whole apartment. Well, he grabs his uh, his photographer light. Yeah. The the camera light, mm-hmm. and he grabs a pack of bulbs. Yep. So he backs off into the corner right by the window, and then Lars comes in, mm-hmm. and he's like, what do you want from me? And, you know, Jeffries isn't saying anything. Yeah, and, he, and it, that, now I will say that was a cool shot because you cannot see Jeffries' Could, face at all or nothing. Couldn't see his face it at all. It was cool. So then he starts getting closer, and so Jeffries starts freaking out. So he covers his eyes, and he flashes the bulb at him. Yeah, because he even asked him, I need that ring back. Can yeah. you get that ring back from her? Mm-hmm. And he's like, no. That's, first, that's the only thing he answers, and finally he's like, no. But anyway, go ahead. He flashes the bulb. Yeah, he flashes the bulb. He takes a step, flashes the bulb, and blinds him for a second. So he reloads the bulb, and he flashes them again. And then eventually he gets over to him, and they start tussling. And you can no look music. at music. No music whatsoever. The music's done, it's, which, which is weird because the music's been playing the whole time. Right. So then it shows his shot over across the way at Lars's apartment. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so whenever um, Jeffries realizes they're over there, he starts calling for them. So they hear him. And Lisa's with him. And Lisa's actually with the cops. Yes. So then they all start making their way. And then all the neighbors start coming out of their apartments to see what's going on. Yeah. And it was like a legit tussle. And yeah. Like I said, I like that the music just quit because yeah. they're not playing. They're, they're like, what's going on? Right. And um, old freaking Lars grabs Jeffries, throws him all out of his wheelchair onto his bed. 
And then he starts hanging, <laughs> he starts hanging him outside the window. Mm-hmm. And is he trying to strangle him? Is that what he's doing? At first, it looked like he was trying to strangle him. Yeah. And then it just looked like he was trying to throw him out the window. And then finally, when the cops get there, Jeffries falls from the, I'm going to say it's his second or third story. At least. But luckily, Lisa and the cops, a couple of the cops and some of the neighbors were down there. Kind of broke his fall. Yeah. And, of course, it's 1954, so, you know, you can tell that he was in front of a green screen. But, it, but I mean, still. Yeah. Your wife even went, <gasps> Yeah. Yeah, she freaked when she seen it. But they are, so they arrested Lars. He admits to everything. He's even going to go take him where he dumped his wife's body. East River. Yes. And the whole thing with the dog was, he said the dog got a little, um, how would he say? A little nosy. Inquisitive. Yeah. Yeah. So he said he, he basically, what it was, was he had his wife buried and he dug her up and moved her Mm -hmm. after the dog was getting. Right. Right. Which I thought was kind of, kind of slick. Yeah, I did too. So. And now at the end of the film, and it's showing like everybody's good to go. Like we've already explained about the broken-hearted woman. Now she's met the guy that plays the music, mm-hmm. the uh, ballet dancer. Her husband's back from either the war, army, whatever. Mm-hmm. The married couple's fighting. <laughs> uh, oh, and the woman that and the husband that lost their dog. They have a new they puppy a new now. Dog. He's still putting them in the basket. Yeah, but it's funny, and I did, I really dug this. When it comes back into James Stewart's apartment, now he's got two legs in cast. <laughs> he was one week away yeah. from being free of his cast. Now he's got both legs in a cast. Right, and then it pans over to Lisa, and she's just laying there looking beautiful on his bed, mm-hmm. reading a magazine. Yep. And that's the end of the movie. That's pretty much it. I mean, and that is, that's the movie in a nutshell. And if you've seen the film, you, you know exactly what we're talking about. Like I said, but there was just no... There was no way we could go scene by scene. But the cool thing about it is the way they ended it, showing you everybody's life at right. the end of the movie, <clears throat> even though those characters didn't have like a huge part in it and you couldn't really hear their conversations, yeah, you felt like you felt complete mm-hmm. with all their stories. Yeah. Because you got enough just from seeing it. Right. Which was, it was the genius of it, really. It really was because you didn't have to see what or hear what was all going on. But you saw enough. Right. Body right. body language speaks volumes. That's yeah. why silent films were so popular. Exactly. And that's why we need to do Not So Far Right too. Absolutely. Big yeah, I gotta, we got to figure out a way to do a Charlie Chaplin movie. Oh, dude, I love Charlie Chaplin. Man, that would be awesome. But, like I said, that's, I mean, and we'll get those in real quick. Alfred Hitchcock, it's funny because he's winding a clock in this movie. If you're looking for him, he's about 10 or 15 minutes into the film, and it's at the... The Piano uh, Man. Yeah, the Piano Man, the songwriter's apartment, and he's playing the piano, and Alfred Hitchcock's over there, like, winding the clock. I thought yep. that was pretty neat. Yeah. So, with that being said, now we're going to go ahead and do the rating. Randy, you want to go first? You want me to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. I'll go first. I'm, it, it's, like I said, at the very beginning of it, it was hard for me to get into, just like the birds. Um, But once everything started picking up, it, it got my attention. And I think it got my attention the way it was supposed to, and it had me on the edge trying to figure out what was happening next. Right. Um, it's still. I think it might have been a little too long. Mm-hmm. There were some scenes of uh, Jeffries and Lisa in the apartment that I just didn't feel like right, really right. played anything into. The kissy, lovey. Yeah, 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 yeah. But at the same time, it, it basically just showed their relationship and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, I thought the acting was great. Mm-hmm. I loved the fact that most of the music came from one of the characters. Right. And it was like it was a part of the movie, but it was in the movie, you know? Right. Um, so, on the pulling scale, man, I'm going to give it a thumbs up. 
Pulling scale. Pulling scale. <laughs> giving it a thumbs up. I think it's definitely one of those movies you need to watch, mm-hmm. if, especially if you're a Hitchcock fan. It's the only movie you've ever seen is Psycho, which I, I hated to admit that I don't think I've ever seen Psycho. That's, it's crazy. Yeah. But we didn't want to do Psycho because it was like a popular one that a lot of people would do. Um, but yeah, I'm going to give it a thumbs up because okay. I think you ought to definitely watch it. Um, and I'm going to give it a, I'm going to give it a B. Right on. I'm going to give it a B. I mean, like I said, you it gave was the birds a B plus, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. But there was more action in the birds. No, no, no. I was just, I'm just asking. Yeah. Yeah. I think, no, did I? A B. I think I gave the birds a B. I gave it a C plus. Yeah. I gave it a B. You gave it a C plus. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm keeping them easy. <clears throat> right on. But yeah, I thought I did. I did think it was it was pretty good. Like I said, there are certain spots like his accent going in and out, and then scenes I didn't think needed to be there, and I did feel like it was a little too long. Mm-hmm. But I, I I'm gonna give it a solid B, and I th- I think it's one of those movies you need to watch. Good deal. So at least check out once. That that that's that's perfect. I, it seems like we've been on a a, a little uh, what you call it um, a little roll with our reviewing and our scoring <laughs> because. I'm going to say that on the pulling scale, I give it a thumbs up. Mm-hmm. I really love the acting in this film. I thought the acting was good. Yes, there were scenes that, like you just said, that I'm like, oh. Yeah. Like you're just watching two people talk for the longest. But it felt real to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed the camera work. I enjoyed, yes, you didn't really get backstory. But is the simple fact is is you it wasn't meant for a backstory film. This was seeing it through a guy's point of view. Right. And I love the fact that Alfred Hitchcock kept this movie that much entertaining just watching through this dude's apartment. Right. Um of course, you know, he's never been known really for his music and stuff like that in the film. But I'm gonna give it a thumbs up. Now, I recommend you watch it one time. Not so, I mean if now don't get me wrong, that's just my my review on the, the just saying hey you may watch it and love the film but I I d- definitely recommend you have to see this movie once right thumbs up and I'm gonna score it a B because yeah, right like I said I just even though I did like the birds and I did enjoy it mm-hmm. there was just like I mean you talked about it was like this is supposed to be horror yeah. Where this one was a thriller mystery, and that's exactly what it was. Yeah. Granted, the last hour was the best part. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, excuse me. The last hour was the thriller part. Yeah. The first part was a mystery because you really wondered, is the is he really the killer or is, are they just tripping? And then I even messed with you, and I was like, "What are you gonna do if it's a dream?" You know, because they could have went that way. Man, if that end of that movie had been been a dream, yeah. I wouldn't even be on this podcast right now. <laughs> I, my review would have been like, F, don't yeah. watch it. <laughs> you don't like anything that just ends with a dream, huh? Man, I'd be so mad. <laughs> Who would have been mad? Then how do you feel about brain scan then? That's different. No. That's different. Okay, okay. That's different. All right, well, that's just because that's what you're choosing. Because it wasn't a dream. Well, anyway. Anyway. But no, like I said, I... I did. I enjoyed the movie. Yes, it could have been just a little bit shorter. But, I mean, I can't dock it for that because, like I said, I mean, it really kept my interest. So Yeah. I, I thought it was good. All right. So, with that being said, that is our review of Alfred Hitchcock's 1954 Rear Window. 
And before we sign off, please remember, if you enjoy the podcast, uh, please tell your friends and family, subscribe to us. Uh, we're on anywhere pretty much you can get your podcasts. We're on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Breaker. You name it, we're pretty much on there. Uh, just help us to grow because, I mean, I feel like there is so many horror podcasts out there that it's hard to get your name out. Yeah. But, I mean, but this is, you know, we even, October will be a year that we've been doing this. Dang, has it been a year? October. Holy cow. Yeah. Because our very first episode was Halloween. Halloween, yeah. And if You're I right. could go back and redo that one, because at the time we only thought you could only do it for an hour. Mm-hmm. So we rushed it. Yeah. But anyway, uh, follow us on Instagram at Small Town Horror uh, Podcast. But it's actually, that's our name. But look up Small Town Horror with Johnny and Randy on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter. We are Small T Horror Pod. That's the only name I could that allowed me to use. So very creative. Hey, you gotta do what you gotta do, man. It works. But yeah, like I said, just <laughs> tell your friends and family if uh, if they're into horror movies and they like hearing two dudes talk about it. <laughs> two weird dudes. Yeah. But hey, two weird bald guys. Yeah, with say, beards, bald and beards. So yeah. anyway, with that. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Dang it! I thought we was gonna get away with it. I thought we was gonna get away with it. Nope. So, I don't even know the next episode that we're doing. You know, it's September. It's going to be the first one. We're actually going to be... Uh, no, we won't. It's the week after. I was going to say, we're going to be in Oklahoma. But it's not going to be that week. Uh, but I don't even know what we're reviewing. You know what? I'm going to call it right here. What? Our first podcast in September is going to be Phantasm. Are you sure it's what we got on the are. I don't know if that's what we got or not. But I'm, I'm calling it because you need to watch it. Okay. I don't know. You need to look. We need to look. It might not be what it is, but we got to check. See, now all these Phantasm people is like, <gasps> hey, you've been talking about Phantasm. You need to watch it. Yeah, I want to see it. We got to do it. So. All right. With that being said, we hope you enjoyed this episode of uh, Rear Window. So, as always, you guys and gals, stay scared. And stay spooky. <laughs> <laughs>